Welcome to Backlog Books. In this podcast, I will be recapping and discussing what I've been reading lately. My name is Kara. Thank you for joining me, and please be prepared for spoilers. In recent reading news, I have finally started book four of The Wheel of Time. Woohoo! Uh, I've been reading it for almost two weeks, and I'm 400-ish pages in, so I'm almost halfway. I'm also trying to make some progress on my nonfiction books, which means that my reading progress has been pretty slow compared to usual. But hey, that's why I have several episodes in the queue for the podcast before I attempt to tackle a Wheel of Time book. It's good, like, I am enjoying it, it's just taking forever. It's okay. But never mind all that. Let's get started. This time we are talking about The Warrior's Apprentice by Lois McMaster Bujold. Here is the summary. And I think it is so funny how some books have like a really long summary and some are like one sentence. I feel like the last couple books I talked about had really long summaries. So it was time. We've come around. Here's the one-sentence summary of this book. Discharged from the Barayaran Academy after flunking the physical, a discouraged Miles Forkosigan takes possession of a jump ship and becomes the leader of a mercenary force that expands to a fleet of treasonous proportions. See? Straightforward. To the point. The Warrior's Apprentice was published in 1986, the same year as Shards of Honor. Our author, Lois McMaster Bujold, was born in America in 1949. She has won numerous Hugo, Nebula, and Locus awards for her books. Her primary works are the Vorkosigan Saga, The World of the Five Gods, and the Sharing Knife series. In 2020, Bujold was named the 36th Damon Knight Grandmaster by the Science Fiction and Fantasy Writers of America. Content warnings for all the war stuff, still, and also suicidal thoughts, suicide attempts being mentioned, and a heck of a lot of ableism. The Vorkosigan saga continues. For books with so much war and so many horrible things happening, they sure are really good. <laughs> I talked about Shards of Honor and Barriar already, which chronologically happened before this book. And those books are the story of Miles's mother and how she ends up being his mother. Um, and when I finished those, I said I was going to take a break reading the Vorkoskin saga, specifically because I knew the narrator was going to change and I really liked Cordelia as the point-of-view character, and I wanted to give Miles a fair chance to win me over, because sometimes I can be a little bit stubborn about the change in narrators, because <laughs> I really want to keep hearing from, like, the same person. Um, but don't worry, Miles is a delight. So there are, of course as one might imagine, references to the events of Cordelia's books. Actually, one of the big plot lines in this book is Miles and his friend Elena 
uncovering what happened in Cordelia's story. They know, like, the general gist of it, but the details really change your perspective on what happened. And Cordelia, though she is not in a lot of this book, does have a steady presence. Um, Every mention of her was a delight, and I love her. However, this is Miles' story, so let's focus on him. This book begins 18-ish years after the events of Barayar. I have to say, after reading Cordelia's story, all her pain and stubborn determination to bring Miles into the world, as soon as I started this, I was invested in his story. I was just like, that's Cordelia's son, and I need him to, like, succeed at everything he does. It's very important to me. Um, Barayarin politics are ever-present. As the son of the regent of the Barayarin Empire, obviously anything Miles does could and does have broader implications. He is very aware of this, though he does often ignore it. And at the beginning of the book, politics take kind of a backseat to Miles' current goal, which is to pass the physical test to get into the Imperial Service Academy. In case you haven't read Cordelia's books for context on why this is such a big deal, due to poison gas his mother was exposed to while pregnant with him because there was an assassination attempt on his father. It was a whole thing. You should read the first two books for more. Miles has had stunted growth and brittle bones his whole life. He is nevertheless determined to enter Imperial service to prove his worth to a planet that considers him an anomaly at best and an abomination at worst. I don't know exactly the right words for this. I'm going to try to uh, explain a little bit. Barayar has a very narrow definition of a valuable person. In their society, any disability is looked down on and automatically makes the person less important and less worthy of life, basically. In Barayarin history, I think it was common for any person with a disability to be, like, left out in the cold, basically. Cordelia, however, comes from a place that values all life and has strong-armed Barriaran society into gradual systemic change. Well, okay, she's still in the process of strong-arming them because she thinks their society's views on this are stupid and dangerous, and uh, she's right. Um, And Miles, as the most visible and unignorable face of disability on Barayar because he is the son of the regent. He's the regent's only child. He actually has like a viable claim to the throne. You can't ignore Miles. And he is very aware of the position that he is in. But we're talking about Miles and this physical test to enter the Barayar and Imperial Service Academy. He miscalculates on the first obstacle and lets his anger lead him to rush. He breaks both of his legs, and with that loses all hope of imperial service, which has been his only goal in life. He thinks that's what he has to do 
to prove his worth. Understandably extremely upset, Miles takes his mother's advice to go visit her side of the family on Beta Colony, far away from Barriar and its attitudes toward people with disabilities. So he goes to Beta Colony, bringing along only his bodyguard and surrogate father, Sergeant Bathari, and Bathari's daughter, Elena. Miles refocuses all his energy and intelligence on a new project. He wants to help Elena find her mother, or at the very least, find out where her mother is buried. Bathari has so far refused to talk about her, and Miles's parents are no more forthcoming. So they get there, and almost immediately, Miles becomes involved in what I have seen called failing forward. Essentially, through a series of bizarre events, he impulse buys a nearly derelict ship, mortgaging land on Barriar to pay for it, and then swears the ship's washed-out pilot to his service as an armsman. Miles then decides the best way to pay off his debt on the ship is to smuggle weapons into an active war zone. Then he finds that there's a Barriaran deserter hiding on Beta Colony, and he signs that person on as the engineer for his ship. It's been like a week since he left home. So, not long after... Leaving home for the first time, Miles begins his promising new career as a smuggler. Um, But their plucky little operation hits a wall pretty quickly. They are boarded by mercenaries as soon as they enter the war zone. One of the big things in this world is mercenary fleets. Many planets don't have like a standing military space fleet. I don't know what you call it. Is it just like a fleet when you have spaceships? We'll just put space in front of anything we're not sure about. It's a space fleet of space mercenaries. So when it comes to war or protecting their planet, these smaller governments um, will hire mercenary fleets to do the fighting for them. It's very interesting. But in order to protect his crew, Miles ends up... They were gonna just let the mercenaries board them, search the ship, whatever. And then the mercenaries were like oh, actually, we're going to take Elena with us, and she's going to stay with us while you go do your thing. And Miles was like, absolutely not. Um, So Miles and his little ragtag crew end up capturing the mercenary ship and convincing them that Miles and his little gang are part of a larger mercenary fleet, and they're there as, like, a surprise inspection, and the rest of the fleet will be arriving any day as backup? For those keeping track at home, Miles has in his possession one nearly broken-down ship, two Bathari's, a barrier and deserter, a pilot, and the guy who paid for them to take the weapons into the war zone. Well, <laughs> I guess now he's got two ships. So each lie... Miles tells to get them out of one situation, leads them deeper and deeper into a bigger and bigger mess. One thing leads to another leads to another, and soon Miles and his two ships are liberating a refinery from the winning side, and Miles finds his fake mercenary fleet is now employed by the losing side. (laughs) He thinks real hard about leaving. 
taking his few friends and running, leaving the war and the mercenaries to sort themselves out. But much like his father, Miles is very bound by honor, by his word. More and more people have been defecting to his side, joining his initially completely fictitious but rapidly gaining members mercenary fleet. And each person who signs on becomes another responsibility, another weight Miles feels bound by. Uh, it's ridiculous, but he makes it. He turns losing into winning. It's not easy, and he loses friends along the way to warfare. I don't know that he wins the war so much as he, like, gets them to a standstill and drives, like, a rift between the winning side and their mercenary fleet to give the losing side a better chance. Um, but in the end, winning a war may be the easy part. While he's been away from Barayar, his family's enemies have been working against them, using Miles and his mysterious actions. I mean, all anybody knows is that he's in this other part of space, like at the head of a mercenary fleet, and they're using his actions as leverage to try to destroy his family. Miles must sneak home and hope he can get there in time to prevent his being found guilty of treason to the Emperor. There was so much more. This was just skimming the surface of what this book had to offer. Special shout out to Elena, Miles's friend who loves him but refuses to become embedded in horrible barrier in politics, good for her, and who becomes a respected soldier and commander all on her own. Miles and Elena do uncover what happened in Cordelia's books, uh, and knowing what they would uncover made every step they took toward the truth suspenseful. I kept bracing myself waiting for the shoe to drop, uh, and it sure does. It sure does. I liked Miles as the point of view character. As I mentioned earlier, sometimes I find it difficult to adjust to a new perspective, but Miles is such a good balance between his parents, where Cordelia was so disconnected from Barriar and found it so baffling or ridiculous. She was like studying every aspect of Barriar in society under a microscope, trying to understand it. But Miles was raised in that society and he understands it instinctually. And like his father, he is bound by honor and the rules of Barriar. But because he had his mother to offer a different perspective on it as he was growing up, he can see the flaws and where it could be better, and crucially, where it can be exploited to his advantage. I'm really enjoying Bujold's writing. It is so easy to get swept along, and I, I really like Miles, who is a little rash, quick to anger, and tends towards like a manic energy. I'm looking forward to continuing the books. The shenanigan levels were delightful, and it's so satisfying to see a character pull off the ridiculous through determination and being just a little bit of a bastard. If you want more media like this, you can try The Keltiad by Patricia Keneally Morrison, maybe? and the Queen's Thief series by Megan Whelan-Turner for just another schemey little guy. 
Join me next time to hear about The Vore Game by Lois McMaster Bujold. Yes, I did immediately read the sequel to this book. I was having a very good time. What can I say? Uh, and as always, you can contact me at backlogbookspod at gmail.com. I do occasionally check that email address, I promise. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to support it, the best way to do that right now is to rate and review it or just share it with a friend. You can find the pod on Facebook at Backlog Books Podcast or at BacklogBooks.com. The music is by Joseph McDade. You can hear more of his work at JosephMcDade.com. Thank you for spending this time with me. I hope to talk with you again soon.